Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome to our monthly book club, and welcome our author, the strong and powerful Jonathan Clements. Jonathan, are you ready to do this? Absolutely, George. Thanks for having me on your show. Welcome back, and let's let's do this. Jonathan is the founder and editor of The Humble Dollar. He's also the author of A Fistful of Personal Finance Books. He spent almost 20 years as the Wall Street Journal's personal finance columnist, and we are going to be talking about his book today, From Here to Financial Happiness, Enrich Your Life in Just 77 Days. Jonathan, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and what motiva- what motivated you to write this book. So I like to tell people that I've spent uh, 34 years writing and thinking about money. Uh, For six of those years, I was on what uh, my friends call the dark side. I worked for (laughs) Citigroup as uh, their director of financial education. (laughs) But for the other 28 years, I've been an ink-stained wretch of one kind or another. As you mentioned, (laughs) I was at the uh, Wall Street Journal for almost 20 years. I was at Forbes magazine for three and a half years. But for the past five years, I've been out on my own. And my big project these days is indeed humbledollar.com, where, uh, you know, I've not only write, but I also feature uh, blogs by guest contributors of whom you have been one. And I appreciate your efforts. And the goal with the site is really to help people to be as rational as possible about money, but never to forget that there is a large human element to it. If, if all it took to be good with your money was to, you know, know how to save and how to invest, we'd all retire early and be super wealthy. But the fact is, saving, investing, and managing money has this huge human element, and most of us find it really tough to stay on the right financial track. Isn't that the truth? Well, I appreciate that very much. So tell us a little bit about how you decided um, to structure the book and, and, and the reasoning behind that. So when I sat down to write From Here to Financial Happiness, I at the time had three different projects I was working on. Um, anybody who follows me on Twitter knows that uh, in addition to tweeting out the latest articles from HumbleDollar.com, um, I also post a daily insight. So I've been collecting those daily insights for a couple of years now. And so that became one element of the book. And then I had also been trying to work on a series of questions that would elicit not only where people stand financially, but what they want from their financial life. And then finally, I had this idea of doing a step-by-step financial guide. Anyway, I had these three projects going. And one day, in my sort of fog-filled brain, it occurred to me that maybe all of these should come together. And that's that was really the genesis of From Here to Financial Happiness. And so I set out to, to write this book, and I began by sketching out each of what I thought was going to be 101 days. That was my goal. Okay. <laughs> and I got to 78, and I realized I'm not going to get to 101. But I also <laughs> knew that 78 was really – as they would say in journalism, not a particularly sexy number. Even numbers are generally not as sexy as odd numbers. And so I took two of the days, I compressed them into one, and that's how I ended up with my 77-day roadmap. Got it. Okay. And so in 77 days, each each day is it's it's an exercise, it's something to be thinking about. How does how does that work? 
Yeah, what I'm trying to do is to take people from the beginning to the end and thinking about their entire financial life. When you think about you know, what Wall Street presents to us as our, you know, our financial lives, what we should be worrying about, it's all about the financial markets. You know, the financial markets are the hot cattle prod that have us bouncing off the walls on a daily basis, depending on whether the market's going up or down. But, but the fact is that there's so much more to managing money than what's going on in the stock and bond markets. You know, we need to think about insurance. We need to think about our debt, our estate plan. And maybe most important, we really need to think hard about what our financial goals are. People don't spend nearly enough time thinking about what they want from their financial life. So in From Here to Financial Happiness, what I'm trying to do is to teach people about all these various aspects of financial life. I'm trying to get them to act on those things, but also, and maybe most critically, I'm trying to make sure that people are actually pursuing the goals that they care most about. Because the fact is, people spend years and even decades pursuing goals and spending money in ways that really do not bring them happiness. And so with the book, I'm trying to get people to really focus on what they want so that they end up with a much happier financial life. Well, I appreciate that very much. So in terms of, I, I, I think that we all find ourselves in in our rhythms, in kind of our, 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 our groove on the record, and we keep going round and round. And unless something is going to knock us out of that sort of equilibrium, and there's a term that, that you're probably going to be able to help me with here in a second. Um, what is the term I'm, I'm, I'm searching for? It's <laughs> we, we keep moving in the same direction unless inertia. There it is. Um, so are there certain habits that, that you want people to break or is it just is, – is, is it really that? Is it looking at things differently? Well, I think you're right about uh, inertia and really inertia often tends to be either things that we're comfortable with or things that we do instinctually. So it's I remind people constantly we are the, the great, 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 great grandchildren of our hunter-gatherer ancestors and our hunter-gatherer ancestors survived because they worked hard. They were terrified of losses. You know, they – listen to their instincts all the time. Uh, They consumed whenever they could. And, you know, many of these instincts are good. They can help us in today's modern world, but they often harm us in today's modern financial world. Uh, For instance, you know, because we're so focused on today and on current consumption, we tend to shop impulsively. We tend to eat too much. Uh, We tend to give short shrift to our longer term goals. Similarly, because we tend to be so loss averse, that was one of the things that helped us to survive tens of thousands of years ago. Because we're so loss averse, we tend to panic when the stock market goes down. So when it comes to financial matters, one of the things that I really encourage people to do is to slow it down. Don't make impulsive decisions. If you're in the store and you have something that you're just desperate to buy, walk out of the store for 10 minutes and then come back in and see whether it really is something that you want to buy. If you panicked because the market is having a bad down day, don't log on to your financial account and immediately sell. Talk to somebody, a friend, a colleague, a financial advisor, slow yourself down. 
because when we slow down, when we pause, when we reflect, we tend to make much more sensible financial decisions. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> and there's a whole culture of 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 the of, of YOLO where you only live once. So so do everything that you want to today instead of maybe taking a, a, a longer term view and that plays into the whole loss aversion and causing us to be impulsive. So I appreciate that very much. Well, right. one thing that uh, before we go on, you know, you know, we do tend to be, you know, very focused on today. You know, we, you know, our hunter-gatherer ancestors did indeed, you know, live in a world where life was nasty, brutish, and short. But I've been taking to telling people these days, if you are age 20 today, you have a greater than 90% chance of living to your time and age, a greater than 90% chance that you will be that future self. If you constantly focus on today's desires, buying this, buying that, you will suffer greatly in the future because there will be not be enough money for your future self. So somehow we need to get ourselves to be more compassionate about that person that we're going to be 10, 20, or 30 years down the road. It is, it is really hard for us to, to look into that future, but that, and that, that's an amazing statistic that that if you're 20 years old today, you have a 90, 90% chance of reaching actual retirement age. And I imagine it used to be a lot less than that. So so habits that, 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 that you're trying to help people build is to not be so, so, so risk averse, not to act so impulsively, to take a little bit of a longer term view. What else? Well, when it comes to these various habits, uh, which are difficult to form, uh, we probably want to use a variety of strategies. So the the most powerful one is is to automate things. You know, we have automation in our four hundred one k plans where you know our contributions to the plan are automatically pulled out of our paycheck and put into our account. And to your point about inertia, once you set up that account, once you say yes, I'm going to contribute, after that inertia kick kicks in and you tend to stick with it. Similarly, you can sign up to invest automatically in your brokerage account or in your favorite mutual funds or in an online savings account. Once you do that, inertia is your friend and you'll stick with it. So inertia is a great way to, uh, and automation is a great way to set good savings habits. Uh, A couple of other strategies that people might want to use in order to improve their financial behavior. one is to make public commitments, as I tell people all the time. You know, if I tell my myself that I'm going to go to the gym in the morning, it's so easy to roll over and go back to sleep. But if I tell my wife, I'm on the hook, right? Because you know, I don't want her disapproval, so that gets me out of bed and gets me to the gym. And the third thing, and I think this is uh, crucial when it uh, comes to finances, is we should try to visualize our financial future and what we really want. We want to make retirement and the kids going off to college and the house we want to buy seem so desirable, so palpable that we're willing to make the sacrifices today. Uh, One of the most interesting pieces of technology out there and which is found to be extremely effective in getting people to think about their future self is this technology where you can age your face. There are bunch of apps and websites where you do this, where you can see what you will look like in 20 or 30 years. And when you see that image of what you're going to look like, that creates greater sympathy for your future self. And you're much more likely to make the spending sacrifices today so that you have the money saved for tomorrow. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I remember, I remember doing one of those years ago, and uh, I, I honestly, I, I don't know what kind of effect that had on me necessarily, other than I, I felt like I needed to probably exercise and 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 eat better. So, <laughs> either way, a, a a positive result. So, so this this idea of making public commitments, um, I think that that's probably such an important thing. I think that we're probably not very good at talking about financial stuff naturally, and those are maybe some conversations that we avoid. So the more we can get into the habit of doing that, and obviously probably first things first is visualizing what we want to accomplish and then being able to share that with somebody else, somebody like like a loved one, a spouse, or a friend, or somebody um, that can help hold you accountable. That's got to be a really powerful thing. So I appreciate that. Yeah, well, actually, this this thing that we don't talk about money um, is extremely dangerous. Uh, you know, we grew up in a culture where we don't tell people what we earn. We don't tell people how much money we have. It's considered to be gauche to do these things. So instead, what we tend to do is to try to signal to other people that we have been financially successful hmm. and how do we signal to people that we've been financially successful well, we, we buy bigger houses we buy faster cars we go on extravagant vacations but of course this signaling doesn't mean that we are wealthy in fact this signaling means that we are less wealthy right or the result of the signaling is that we're spending money unnecessarily and we are poorer for it so if you can get to the point where you have at least a close-knit group of friends or family members where you have honest conversations about money, you may be able to get yourself out of this signaling mode, and as a consequence, you will be better off financially in the long term. Yeah, I think I think everybody listening to this can certainly identify with that if you are on social media, and probably we all are, for better or for worse. Um, we are certainly accustomed to people well-signaling and and virtue signaling and, and all different kinds of signaling that actually take place on, on those platforms. So I appreciate that. I think that's great. So is there something that, that you wanted to avoid? I, I know you're obviously a, a professional writer and, and, and have thought about money for, for your entire career. Um, was there something that, that you wanted to avoid doing in writing the book? Well, so, George, it's a, it's a funny thing about writing about money is that my goal when I write about money is to make everything as straightforward and understandable as possible. And most readers appreciate that. You know, they w want to read a book about money where they come away and say, okay, I finally understand what this is all about. And because of that knowledge, I'm going to be able to put this into action. And yet, and yet, and this this drives me a little bit crazy. One of the criticisms I get, not only of this book, but of earlier books, is that because people understand what I'm saying, they've decided that, oh, it's not that sophisticated a book. <laughs> right. And they are, feel that they are getting much more value from a book where they don't really understand what the author is saying. <laughs> if, that if they don't understand it, it must be sophisticated, and therefore it must the information they're receiving is of greater value. And it is completely nuts. In fact, this is one of the ways that Wall Street c continues to hold people financially hostage. You know, they talk in gibberish. People hear that gibberish say, wow, that must be sophisticated. They must know what they're talking about. And therefore, I will let them manage my money. It simply 
isn't true. At its core, managing money is super simple. And if it isn't simple, if you don't understand what somebody's talking about, you shouldn't be doing it <laughs> because in all likelihood, the complexity means that you're about to get charged a very high price for something that you could have got for far less and you as a consequence will end up with less money in your pocket. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think it'd be possible for me to agree with that any anymore. So from my experience in, in, in working in financial services for a really long time, whenever I am unable to understand something, I think that that's usually a huge red flag. And so certainly when, when a consumer is not able to understand something, um, it's it's usually a, a warning sign that you should probably stand up and walk away. So I appreciate that. And I mean, I, I think that the mark of an effective communicator, and certainly when we're talking about confusing things, is taking difficult concepts and making them really easy to understand, but not only understand, but then to take action on things. And I think that's really what your book is, is working to accomplish. And in not a huge amount of time on a daily basis during these 77 days to actually move from maybe not being totally comfortable with money and at the end of those 77 days feeling pretty good about it. And one of the things that you know, I hope in writing the book is to help to draw the connection between money and the rest of your financial life because in the end you know, money isn't the goal. Right? Money is a tool to help us lead better lives. You know, if money to you is simply, you know, a rather painful half an hour at the weekend when you try to make sure you pay the bills and your checkbook is balanced, you're not going to get nearly as much out of your money as you should. You need to think really hard about what money can do for you rather than just focusing on how much money do I have. Amen. So part of the book that you are most proud of? That's a that's an interesting question. I guess the thing that I like about the book is that if somebody goes all the way through it, they will deal with every aspect of their financial life. It's not just about putting together an investment portfolio. They'll come away with some sense for what sort of house they can afford to buy, what insurance they need to have, what estate planning documents they need to have, what they should be doing in terms of saving for their kids' college education. As I mentioned early on in our conversation, way too much of our financial conversations are about the financial markets. And what I really want people to do is to think about these other areas of their financial life, in part because we can improve our financial lives so much more by focusing on these areas than we can by focusing on the, the stock and bond market. You know, The reality is the vast majority of investors do not beat the financial markets. And the harder you try, the more likely you are to fail. For most of us, buying a simple portfolio of low-cost index funds and just letting them ride is going to give us the best possible return. So instead of wasting time trying to figure out whether interest rates are going up or stocks are going down, you should take that energy and focus on these other areas of your financial life. And there you really can make substantial difference by paying off high cost debt, by making sure that you take full advantage of various retirement accounts available to you, by making sure 
your family will be okay if something happens to you by making sure you have the right estate planning documents. All of these things can make a huge difference to our financial lives, and yet they don't get discussed nearly enough. Well, I love it. I think that that's excellent advice. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you, and where can they get a copy of the book? The uh, they can learn more about me and uh, and indeed about the book at uh, humbledollar.com. Go to the site. There are new articles up there every day, as well as um, other material. The core of the website is a comprehensive money guide that covers pretty much every financial topic conceivable. And in terms of the book, well, it's you know available at book, good bookstores everywhere, and probably a lot of bad ones as well. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Jonathan your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Um, And also share from here to financial happiness, enrich your life in just 77 days with somebody who you think would also appreciate it and get a lot out of it. Thank you again, Jonathan. It's been my pleasure, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there you can just go to the website i'll also list that in the notes of the show what's up savage nation please support the show by subscribing leave us a review and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it come on